tuned into the His Harline podcast, where we ignite independent and accurate thought, break the chains and shackles of mental bondage, challenge societal norms, and traverse through the timeless teachings of our Heavenly Father. Join us as we liberate minds and embrace the power of the Great Awakening while embracing true sovereignty. Welcome to the show. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Thank you for tuning in to the His Hard Line podcast. And if you want to find us on our social media platforms and find more shows like this, you can find all of that on hisheartline.com. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at my side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He's at the helm behind the wheel in the captain's chair steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to His Heartline. Today's show is titled Articles of Confederation Part 2. We'll be doing this, the last part, the reading of the last part of the Confederate Articles of Confederation. In today's reading, we'll be touching on a little bit of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Jeremiah. Daily Disclaimer. Please be advised that I'm not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Jural Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. I do not endorse or advocate for violence unless it is in defense, self-defense of me and my family. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes only. That's right. So the Articles of Confederation. Like I was saying in part one. Was arguably. And intentionally created a. uh, It was drafted and basically intentionally created a weaker central government. Which I guess according to historians and some scholars out there, it almost created too weak of a government, arguably, right? And, you know, maybe that was done intentionally. I don't know. But here's what I do know. We did not want to have an overgrown, growing, ever-growing monster of oppression and tyranny and subversion uh, that embed you know where many agents would embed themselves within a large central government because nothing good will ever come out of that now maybe the articles of confederation sure maybe they were a little uh faulty to some form or in some form or fashion but then again what document in history wasn't see at the end of the day, with with we the people who are in general jural assembly, we we use all documents as our foundation, starting with the Holy Bible. And yes, there would be some people out there that would like to argue, well, who wrote the Bible? There is probably still some so, you know stories that are missing out of the Bible and relevant information that might be. We don't know until everything comes out and we get full disclosure. But there is no doubt that the Holy Bible holds some very profound truth and is very, very relevant still to this day. Okay, there is no doubt that there is power in the good word. I would happen to know. I'm a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony of what the word can do and how it can transform a man who lived intentionally in sin. And, you know, anyone who knew me then and knows me now 
can see the stark contrast of the differing versions of myself. But among the Holy Bible as being one of our primarily, primary, primary foundational documents, we use things like the Fundamental Orders of 1638, the Magna Carta, the Articles of Confederation, the U.S. Constitution for America, not of America, for America, and the Declaration of Independence. And, and there's many more like that that we use and stand on as part of our foundational documents. Is any one of these documents perfect? as is i mean other than really the holy bible which again if it was altered by bad men with corrupt intentions corrupt and evil intentions i would say the holy bible would be the closest thing to being perfect but everything else is still going to have flaws in it take the magna carta for example the Magna Carta, if, and we've read the Magna Carta in its entirety on this show, there is really only one relevant uh, section in the Magna Carta that is pretty relevant for the people and, you know, for we the people in General General Assembly that is applicable. And that would be section, I believe it's 61 here. And I'll just read it real quick. It says, since we have granted all these things for God for the better ordering of our kingdom, and to ally the discord that has arisen between us and our barons, and since we desire that they shall be enjoyed in their entirety with lasting strength forever, we give and grant to the barons the following security. The barons shall elect 25 of their number to keep and cause to be observed with all their might, the peace and liberties granted and confirmed to them by this charter. If we, our chief justice, our officials, or any of our servants offend in any respect against any man, man or transgress any of the articles of the peace or of the security, and the offenses made known to four of the said 25 barons, they shall come to us or in our absence from the kingdom to the chief justice, and to declare it and claim immediate redress. And if we, or in our absence abroad, the Chief Justice make no redress within 40 days, reckoning from the day on which the offense was declared to us or to him, the four barons shall refer to the, ma the matter to the rest of the 25 barons who may distrain upon the assail uh, and assail us in every way possible with the support of the whole community of the land by seizing our castles, lands, possessions, or anything else saving only our own person and those of the queen and our children until they have secured such redress as they have determined upon. Having secured the redress, they may then resume their normal obedience to us. Any man who so desires may take an oath to obey the commands of the 25 barons for the achievement of these ends and to join with them in assailing us to the utmost of his power. We give public and free permission to take this oath to any man who so desires and at no time will he, we prohibit any man from taking it. Indeed, we will compel any of our subjects who are unwilling to take it and swear it at our command. And if one of the 25 barons dies or leaves the country or is prevented in any other way from discharging his duties, the rest of them shall choose another baron in his place or, or excuse me, and at their discretion, who shall be duly sworn in as they were. And in the event of disagreement among the 25 barons or any matter referred to them for decision, the verdict of the majorities present shall have the same validity as a unanimous verdict of the whole 25, whether these were all present or some of those summoned were unwilling or unable to appear. The 25 barons shall swear to obey all the above articles faithfully and shall cause them to be obeyed by others to the best of their power. We will not seek to procure from anyone, either by our own efforts or those of a third party, anything by which any part of these concessions or liberties might be revoked or diminished. Should such a thing be procured, it shall be null and void, and we will at no time make use of it, either ourselves or through a third party. And that's the end of the section 61 of the Magna Carta. 
Now, the 25, where, where, why is that relevant? Why is that number 25 relevant? Well, I don't know. Because that is what is needed for a grand jury. And the grand jury is what is used, and, and, and might I add, the common law grand jury, right? The de jure grand jury is what is used to do a finding of facts against a usurping, tyrannical uh, government in the legislative, judicial, and executive branches. They are the ones who can uh, nullify crappy laws or laws that are incomprehensible to the common man and woman. It's called jury nullification. So if there is a law on the books by legislature and that law is not easily comprehensible to the common man because legislature decided to add a bunch of legalese jargon in there to make it very hard to understand, guess what? The de jure grand jury can throw that law out on its face. <laughs> Bye-bye. And so... While the majority of the document of the Magna Carta might not be applicable today, there is one section, and that was that section 61 that I just read that is very relevant for our general general assemblies. And so back to the Articles of Confederation, same thing. Very, very important. It might have some holes in it, maybe, yes. But guess what? There is still some, there is still some a good portion of that, that is still applicable today. I want to play a couple pieces real quick. I was just, just random searches real quick on, on the Articles of Confederation. Just listen to a couple audio pieces here that I, that I found. Of Confederation with the first constitution of the United States. In 1777, the Continental Congress drafted the Articles to unite the 13 colonies. Under the Articles, the federal government had limited powers and the states held most authority. However, the Articles had weaknesses that led to the creation of the Constitution. In 1789, the Constitution replaced the Articles and established a stronger federal government. A stronger federal government. Well, guess what? A stronger federal government is exactly what is killing us today because they grew so strong by making, um, oh, I don't know, other government entities like the EPA and the, uh, I don't know, let's see, what else is out there? The FBI, the DOD. I mean, there's so many little sub-organizations that are actually corporations that are not, you know, these are NGOs. They're non-government organizations. They're, they're, they weren't elected. Okay. They weren't appointed. Okay. We elected, well, we're supposed to, right. Elect our government officials and they're supposed to answer to us. But instead what they started doing over the decades is they created the FBI and the CIA and other organizations like this. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the NSA, I mean, all these different organizations, okay, that create more statutes and, and rules and regulations that end up basically putting a noose around our necks and suffocating us at every which direction that they can imagine. So envision you're a business owner and you hire 20 people. And those 20 people went out and hired subcontractors that weren't directly hired by you because you made a decision to hire those specific 20 people, but those specific 20 people went out and hired subcontractors and brought them into your company without you knowing. And those subcontractors started implementing policies and doing things that would go against your your original ideas and 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 vision for the future of that company you would be ups absolutely upset and then take it a step further then you get those subcontractors that basically try to kick you out of your own company and they or they try to use the rules that they make against you and they try to oust you out of your own company i mean do you see how you see how messed up that is on its face that is messed up and and that should not be allowed 
within the structures of government in our country because we the people are the boss the legislator ex the legislative executive and the judicial branches are our employees and they have no right to create subsections of government agencies like the FDA and the EPA and 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 and, and the whatever you want to you know you, whatever you want to call it the, the the food and drug administration you know they they have no right to create these little sub organizations to further restrain and constrict and 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 to suffocate we the people that's bullcrap and that ends Here's something else I wanted to play. Articles are famous for creating a federal government that was really weak, too weak in fact. So under the Articles of Confederation, each state was sovereign. They established a very weak federal government, one that only had a single branch, just legislative, no executive or judiciary. And that legislative branch was a unicameral Congress in which each state had exactly one vote. The problem was this government was so weak that it was ineffective. They could declare war and they could make treaties. They could both coin money and they could borrow money. That's about it. It could not tax either the states or the people directly. Congress also couldn't regulate interstate commerce. Well, states retained the power to coin money and create their own currencies as well. They could also refuse to recognize federal treaties. States could also impose tariffs or taxes on goods from other states. States can't do any of those things today. No, that's right. And that's why that is, uh, this is such a very important document. Okay. That's why the General General Assembly exists. Okay. People need to understand the Articles of Confederation is a very important document. Honestly, it's really not faulty or defective. I mean, again, because it, it was in, it intentionally created a weaker central government because we do not need a strong, overreaching, big brother government. We do not need that. But yet, that is what we ended up with. And then, therefore, that is why we have the mess that we have today. I want to read a few things here. So, but, but, um, well, yeah, I got one more audio piece I'm going to play. I'm going to play that before we read the second half of the Articles of Confederation. But I want to read a few Bible verses here. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God has given you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Well, that verse is pretty important because... It emphasizes the establishment of local governance structures responsible for administering justice fairly within the respective jurisdictions, uh, mirroring the de decentralized governance system of the Articles of Confederation, where states retained sovereignty and had their own systems of governance, again, where each state operates like a separate country. Deuteronomy verse uh, chapter one, verses 16 through 17. And I charged your judges at that time. Hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly, whether the case is between two Israelites and between, or between two, uh, between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you, do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike and do not be afraid of anyone for judgment belongs to God. Well, that passage is important because it emphasizes the fair and impartial judgment for all men and women, regardless of their background or status. Reflecting the principles of justice and equality under the law of the Articles of Confederation. Uh, here's another one, Deuteronomy uh, 16, 19. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality and you shall not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. So this un verse underscores the importance of upholding justice and impartiality in governance, similar to the principles outlined in the Articles of Confederation that aim to prevent corruption and ensure fair treatment for all states. You take a bribe, uh, 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 naughty, naughty. That's how the, that's how this snowball turns into an avalanche and creates a big mess at the bottom of the mountain. Just don't accept that bribe. Don't make that snowball. 
Leviticus 19.15, verse 15, do not pervert justice, do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Again, this verse reinforces the principles of impartiality and fairness in judgment, which again is essential for maintaining a just and equitable society as reflected in the Articles of Confederation. Again, do you understand people, ladies and gentlemen, why the Bible is our primary document for the foundation of the building of this great nation? Do you understand why they want to hide the Bible, why they want to destroy it, why they want to take the Bible in its originality, in its authentic original form that came from the scrolls and why they tried to probably, oh, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? They try, they try to leave things out and omit special relevant information. There's probably things missing from our Bible, but make no mistake because the word is ingrained in our heart and we have this thing called discernment. There are still very relevant things in here that we can still draw and apply in today's world. Again, why it's also a very important foundational document. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 22. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am the Lord your God. This verse, again, highlights the principle of equality under the law. Equality under the law, regardless of your nationality or background. Again, this aligns with the spirit of inclusivity and fairness in the Articles of Confederation. Two more verses. Got Jeremiah 34, 15. Recently you repented and did what was right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom to your own people. You even made a covenant before me in the house that bears my name. What's that verse saying? Well, it speaks to the concept of liberty and freedom, emphasizing the importance of individuals and communities proclaiming and upholding freedom for themselves, which again, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it aligns with the principles of liberty and an independence embodied in the Articles of Confederation. Last verse, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 35 through 36. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights and honest epha and an honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. This passage emphasizes the importance of honesty and integrity in economic transactions, reflecting the principles again of fairness and honesty in trade and commerce upheld by the Articles of Confederation. Folks, there's a reason why again and again and again and again, I'm going to keep saying this, why the Bible is the first most important primary foundational document of our great nation and everything else is built from it. Yes, our country was was established by imperfect men. Yes, the Bible and the scrolls that have been written may have been written by imperfect men of their time. But you know what? There's a lot of power in that book. There's a lot of power in the name of Christ Jesus. And we all have the spirit that lives within us if we allow it and accept it. Again, because of free will, we have to accept it. We have to invite it. Otherwise, you're going to have a darkness that dwells inside of you and you end up becoming a drifter, allowing Satan to do whatever he pleases in your idle mind. You can't let that happen, folks. Now, before I get into the reading of the second part of the Articles of Confederation, I want to play one last audio piece. I absolutely love this page on TikTok. It's my new favorite page because it's simple but very profound pieces of advice. I believe it's called the Valorgi Group or the Valorgi Project, something like that. I don't know, but they have good stuff. Listen to this. You can't succeed without discipline. If you think you lack discipline, just listen. 
One, boys turn into men when they understand that nobody cares about them if they can't provide any value. Two, becoming the best version of yourself comes with a lot of goodbyes. It's not just about people. Three, the quickest way to succeed is to start now and figure it out as you go. You can't learn to drive in a parked car. Four, nobody wants to tell you why discipline is so important. Discipline is the strongest form of self-love. Five, if a man doesn't match his words, he's not a man. He's just a boy who likes to talk. Six, vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. If you're not all good advice, all good advice. I love it. I love everything this page shares. Such good information, such good bits and nuggets of knowledge and, 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 and pieces of advice that we can take and really reflect on. Absolutely good stuff. Okay, so let's get into the Article 9 because we left off at Article 8 in Part 1. So Part 2, we're, we're starting off with Article 9 of the Articles of Confederation. And it reads, the United States in Congress assembled shall have the sole and exclusive right and power of determining on peace and war, except in the cases mentioned in the sixth article of sending and receiving ambassadors, entering into treaties and alliances, provided that no treaty or commerce shall be made, whereby the legislative power of the respective states shall be restrained from imposing such imposts and duties on foreigners as their own people are subjected to or from prohibiting the export and importation of any species of goods, goods or commodities whatsoever, of establishing rules for deciding in all cases what captures on land and water shall be legal, and in what manner prizes taken by land or naval forces in the service of the United States shall be divided or appointed of granting letters of mark and reprisal in times of peace appointing courts for the trial of piracy piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and establishing high courts for receiving and determining determining finally appeals in all cases of captures provided that no member of congress shall be appointed a judge of any of the said courts the united states in congress assembled shall also be the last resort on appeal in all disputes and differences now subsisting or that hereafter may arise between two or more states concerning boundary jurisdiction or any other cause whatever which authority shall always be exercised in the manner following whenever legislative or executive authority or lawful agent of any state in controversy with another shall present a petition to Congress stating that matter in question and praying for a hearing notice thereof shall be given by orders of Congress to the legislative or executive authority of the other state in controversy and a day is signed for the appearance of the parties by their lawful agents who shall then be directed to appoint by joint consent commissioners or judges to constitute a court for hearing and determining the matter in question. But if they cannot agree, Congress shall name three persons out of each of the United States and from the list of such persons, each party shall alternately strike out one and the petitioners beginning until the number shall be reduced to 13. And from that number, not less than seven, nor more than nine names, as Congress shall direct, shall in the presence of Congress be drawn out by lot. And the persons whose names shall be so drawn, or any five of them, shall be commissioners or judges to hear and finally determine the controversy. So always as a major part of the judges who shall hear the cause shall agree in the determination. And if either party shall neglect to attend at the end uh, at the day appointed without showing reason, which Congress shall judge sufficient or being present shall refuse to strike. The Congress shall proceed to nominate three persons out of each state and the secretary of Congress shall strike in behalf of such party absent or refusing and the judgment and sentence of the court to be appointed in the manner 
before prescribed shall be final and conclusive. And if any of the parties shall refuse to submit to the authority of such court or to appear or defend their claim or cause, the court shall nevertheless proceed to pronounce sentence or judgment, which shall in like manner be final and decisive. The judgment or sentence and other proceedings being in either case transmitted to Congress and lodged among the acts of Congress for the security of the parties concerned, provided that every commissioner before he sits in judgment shall take an oath to be administered by one of the judges of the Supreme or Superior Court of the state which the cause shall be tried. Well, and truly to hear and determine the matter in question according to the best of his judgment without favor, affection, or hope of reward, provided also that no state shall be deprived of territory for the benefit of the United States. All controversies concerning the private right of soil claimed under different grants or two or more states whose jurisdictions, as they may respect such lands and the states which passed such grants are adjusted. The said grants or either of them being at the same time claimed to have originated antecedent to such settlement of jurisdiction shall on the petition of either party to the Congress of the United States be finally determined as near as may be in the same manner as is before prescribed for deciding disputes respecting territorial jurisdiction between different states. The United States in Congress assembled shall also have the sole and ex exclusive right and power of regulating the alloy and value of coins struck by their own authority or by that of the respective states, fixing the standard of weights and measures throughout the United States, regulating the trade and managing all affairs with the Indians, not members of any of the states, provided that the legislative right of any state within its own limits be not infringed or violated, establishing and regulating post offices from one state to another throughout all the United States, and exacting such postage on the papers passing through the same as may be requisite to defray the expenses of the said office appointing all officers of the land forces in the service of the United States, except ex, excepting regimental officers, appointing all the officers of the naval forces and commissioning all officers, whatever, in the service of the United States, making rules for the government and regulation of the said land and naval forces and directing their operations. The United States in Congress assembled shall have authority to appoint a committee to sit in the recess of Congress to be denominated a committee of, a, of the states and to consist of one delegate from each state and to appoint such other committee and civil officers, officers as may be necessary for managing the general affairs of the United States under their, their direction to appoint one of their number to preside provided that no person be allowed to serve in the office of president more than one year in any term of three years to ascertain the necessary sums of money to be raised for the service of the United States and to appropriate and apply the same for defraying the public expenses to borrow money or emit bills on the credit of the United States, transmitting every half year to the respective states on account of the sums of money so borrowed or emitted to build and equip a navy to agree upon the number of land forces and to make requisitions from each state for its quota in proportion to the number of white inhabitants in such state, which requisition shall be binding, and thereupon the legislature of each state shall appoint the regimental officers, raise the men, and clothe, arm, and equip them in a soldier-like manner at the expense of the United States. And the officers and men so clothed, armed, and equipped shall march to the place appointed and within the time agreed on by the United States in Congress assembled. But if the United States in Congress assembled shall, on consideration of circumstances, judge proper that any state should not raise men or should raise a smaller number than its quota, and that any other state should raise a greater number of men than the quota thereof, such extra number shall be raised officered, clothed, armed, and equipped in the same manner as the quota of such state, unless the legislature of such state shall judge that such extra number cannot be safely spared out of the same, in which case they shall raise officer, clothe, arm, and equip as many of such extra numbers as they judge can be safely spared. 
And the officers and men so clothed, armed, and equipped shall march to the place appointed and within the time agreed on by the United States in Congress assembled. The United States in Congress assembled shall never engage in a war, nor grant letters of mark and reprisal in time of peace, nor enter into any treaties or alliances, nor coin money, nor regulate the value thereof, nor ascertain the sums and expenses necessary for the defense and welfare of the United States or any of them, nor emit bills, nor borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor appropriate money, nor agree upon the number of vessels of war to be built or purchased or the number of land or sea forces to be raised, nor appoint a commander-in-chief of the army or navy unless nine states assent to the same, nor shall a question on any other point except for adjourning from day to day be determined unless by the votes of a majority of the United States in Congress assembled. The Congress of the United States shall have power to adjourn to any time within the year. Let me repeat that for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. The Congress of the United States shall have power to adjourn at any time within the year and to any place within the United States so that no period of adjournment be for a longer duration than the space of six months and shall publish the journal of their proceedings monthly, except such parts thereof relating to treaties, alliances, or military operations, as in their judgment requires secrecy, and the yeas and nays of the delegates of each state, or any question shall be entered on the journal when it is desired by any delegates and the delegates of a state or any of them at his or their request shall be furnished with a transcript of the said journal, except such parts as are above accepted to lay before the legislatures of the United or the several states. There's a lot there, but does any of that kind of sound familiar with how the General General Assembly operates? I'm just saying. You should go back and really read Article 9 of the Articles of Confederation. It is really a solid article. Don't you just love the part where it says the Congress of the United States shall have the power to adjourn at any time within a year in any place within the United States so that no period of adjournment be for a longer duration than a space of six months. Then a space of six months. What did the MGJA do? Didn't they just adjourn for a period of six months? Not that long ago. And then what? They didn't, didn't the MGJA just reconvene as of January 13, 2024? I think they did. Huh. Well, no kidding. All right. Well, all right. I'm getting off on a tangent here. But so in short. Okay, that was a lot to read. That there was a lot to digest there. So Article 9 grants significant powers to the United States in Congress assembled, including the authority to declare war, manage foreign relations, regulate commerce, establish courts. See, this is what I don't understand. You see, they say that the, these historians say that that there is no judicial branches, just the legislative, but no judicial or executive branches. But see, in there, I, I heard something in there about a commander in chief. Uh, in there, I heard about a, a a president that gets elected once a year for no more than a term of three years or something like that, like for three years in a row, right? So, I mean, that's technically executive right here. I mean, again, establishes courts, that's judicial, right? And settle disputes between states. So, maybe it's not on the the the, the level that some men wanted because they wanted big giant courts. They want big giant executive branches. They want big giant legislative branches to, to be huge. They wanted a big, strong central government. Make way for the constitution. This article also outlines the procedures for appointing officers, raising troops. That would be our military managing finances for the common defense. Additionally, 
It specifies in this article that certain actions, such as engaging in war treaties, require the assent of nine states in Congress assembled. So at that time, when there was 13 states, nine out of 13, that's three quarters of the states, folks. To simplify and sum it up, Article 10, the committee of the states or any nine of them shall be authorized to execute in the recess of Congress, such as the powers of Congress as the United States in Congress assembled by the consent of nine states shall from time to time think expedient to vest them with provided that no power be delegated to the said committee for the exercise of which by the Articles of Confederation, the voice of the nine states in the Congress of the United States assembled is requisite. This article seems to be pretty self-explanatory. I like this one, Article 11. Article 11 for our brothers and sisters to the north. Canada acceding to this confederation and adjoining in the measures of the United States shall be admitted into and entitled to all the advantages of this union. But no other colony shall be admitted into the same unless, unless such admission be agreed to by nine states. So in other words, Canada, you still have an invite to be part of the United States of America. We could change that world map and change your name from Canada and you too can be part of the United States of America and have your territories be considered very large states. Then we won't need a passport to drive up to you and say hello and bring money up to your respective, you know, independent, equal, independent nation, equal states like Quebec or Nova Scotia or Alberta. But you know what else is also great about Article 11? It says right here, no other colony shall be admitted into the same unless such admission be agreed to by nine states. So if another country on the other side of the pond wanted to become part of the United States, it would just have to be agreed upon by three quarters of the states in Congress assembled today in the General General Assembly. So basically, Article 11, again, states that if Canada decides to join the Confederation and align with the United States' actions, it will be welcomed into the Union and enjoy all of its benefits. And again, though, however, admission of any other colony requires the agreement of the nine states, again, which would be the three quarters of the states. Article 12, all bills of credit emitted monies borrowed and debts contracted by or under the authority of Congress before the assembling of the United States in pursuance of the present confederation shall be deemed and considered as a charge against the United States for payment and satisfaction whereof the said United States and the public faith are hereby solemnly, solemnly pledged. So again, basically, Article 12 means that any bills of credit issued or money borrowed or debts incurred by Congress before the formation of the United States under the Articles of Confederation, it's basically the responsibility of the United States. It's responsible of the, of the federal government. And the United States and its public faith are committed to paying off those debts. Last article, Article 13. Every state shall abide by the determinations of the United States in Congress assembled on all questions which by this confederation are submitted to them, and the articles of this confederation shall be inviolably observed by every state, and the union shall be perpetual. Nor shall any alteration at any time hereafter be made on, in any of them, unless such alteration be agreed to in a Congress of the United States and be afterwards confirmed by the legislatures of every state, every state. So in simpler terms, Article 13 is declaring that every state must follow the decisions made by the United States in Congress on issues outlined in the Articles of Confederation. And it is also stating that the articles are binding for all states and the union is meant to be permanent any changes to the articles must be agreed upon by Congress and then ratified by the legislatures of every state.
Continuing, it says, And whereas it hath pleased the great governor of the world to incline the hearts of the legislatures we respectively represent in Congress to approve of and to authorize us to ratify the said articles of confederation and perpetual union, know ye that we... The undersigned delegates, by virtue of the power and authority to us given for that purpose, do by these presents in the name and in behalf of our respective constituents, fully and entirely ratify and confirm each and every of the said articles of confederation and perpetual union and all and singular the matters and things therein contained. And we do further solemnly plight and engage the faith of our respective constituents that they shall abide by the determinations of the United States and Congress assembled on all questions which by the said confederation are submitted to them and that the articles thereof shall be inviolably observed by the states we respectively represent and that the union shall be perpetual in witness whereof we have hereunto set our hands in Congress done at Philadelphia in the state of Pennsylvania, the ninth day of July in the year of our Lord, 1778, and in the third year of independence of America. That is the concluding words. Those are the concluding words of the Articles of Confederation. Some good stuff, if I might say. Some very good stuff. I highly recommend that you all take some time to go to the archives, right? National archives online, type in articles of confederation, look up the transcript and read it for yourself. It might take you 10, 15 minutes, depending on how fast you read, possibly 20, read it again and understand the significance of this particular document, because a lot that's in this document is still applicable today. Just saying. Canada, where are you at? Where are you at, Alberta? Where are you at, Nova Scotia? Quebec, Ontario, where are you? Become one with us. I know you guys are hearing me up there. Share this platform far and wide. The future is going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And we look forward to being one at one point, hopefully. Hopefully, if the people can do it, let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, today we gather with grateful hearts thanking you for the gift of liberty and freedom. Boy, are we thankful. We remember the wisdom of our forefathers who laid the groundwork for the for a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we ask that you help us uphold these principles of self-governance and humility, recognizing the strength found in unity, we ask that you guide us to champion freedom and, and self-determination for all men and women of America and around the world for that matter, regardless of your background, regardless of your creed, regardless of whatever. And we ask that you grant us the courage to stand for justice and advocate for the marginalized. Bring comfort to those in need and guide us in righteousness. And Father God, we just pray that anybody who is out there who is struggling, who is scared, who is fearful of, of, of what's to come around the corner, rest their fears, put them, put, put them in peace. And we just ask that you guide us every step of the way. Let our actions be in sync with your will. And we pray all this in your holy son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, here it is our line. We are firm. We are steadfast. And we are uncompromising. The enemy will not cross this line anymore because it is men and women like you and I who hold this line firm and to make sure that no one veers over that line 
accidentally. We have to be the watchers on the wall. And again, if you want to find out more about the National Assembly, you can go to www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. And don't forget my website, hishardline.com. That's hishardline.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, don't forget, Sundays are the live show. God bless, and we'll see you back here next time. To find more shows like this, you can visit hishardline.com. And to learn more about your involvement with your local General Journal Assembly, you can visit national-assembly.net. His Hardline Podcast. His Hardline Podcast. exercise caution regarding any organization purporting to be an assembly and claiming similar objectives such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty Alliance, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA Tactical Civics, or any entity diverging from the officially recognized Michigan model acknowledged by seven countries and the United States military. Furthermore, it's important to clarify that we do not endorse or recognize status corrections.